John chapter 7, you'll see as we begin looking this morning, we have arrived at the S, at the end of the word steps, steps of faith. Uh, this is the last um, letter in this series. It's meant to be a short series. Um, and what I'd like to do is split this into two sections. I tried to do each one in one message. This would have been a really long message. Uh, this may be two long messages. I really don't want it to be long, but I really want you to understand what it means, what, what, the, what the Spirit of God means, what this is about. Um, I'm not sure if there's anything that is more poorly understood in American Christianity than the power of the Spirit of God. Um, there's, a, there's a large group of people who have a really strong focus on the Spirit. Uh, they do a lot of strange things. Uh, they, it seems odd when you, if you've ever been. I've been to churches like this. Uh, it, is not, it is not the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, when I say that, some people think I'm trying to be unkind. I, I have no intention of being unkind. But because of that abuse, because of that false presentation of the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, Christians don't really enter in to their need for the Spirit of God, nor do they understand that the Spirit of God living in us is not just normal, it's necessary. You need the Spirit of God. You need the Spirit. If you're a new creature, the only difference between us, born-again Christians, and who we were before is, one, the forgiveness that God has given us in paying for our sins, but just as significant and maybe more important to our time here on earth is the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at this. Notice this in John chapter 7 and verse 37. John chapter 7 and verse 37. It says, In that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying... Now, I want, I want to stop for just a moment. I want you to just picture that here we are spending this time together and, and suddenly um, in the middle of this, Dr. Smith just stands up and cries out with a loud voice. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He's making reference. There are two quotes here. One is in Isaiah 55 and the other is in Deuteronomy 18. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus is standing up and making a very loud statement. Now again, he wasn't asked to come to the front and to give a testimony or to share a word. He simply stood up because they needed to know. What he's saying is this. Here we are in this big banqueting room in this time for our tremendous feast. And he stands up. He like, we're back there eating our spaghetti. Oh, I promise you a much larger gathering. And he stands up and he says, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. There are so many Christians who when they were brand new Christians were overflowing with the love and the joy and the peace and the goodness of God. But they thought, but we view it as an emotional reaction. 
This is what happens when you're first saved. Everybody's really excited when they're first saved, but they'll get over it. They shouldn't get over it. We're not supposed to get over it. We are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is to so change us that people that see us would simply say they are odd people. They are strangers. They really are weird. They have joy when they should have no joy. They have peace when they should have no peace. They care about people that don't care about them. They give when others wouldn't give. They seem to be so much happier than the rest of us. What is wrong with them? Don't they know what's going on in this world? And the truth of the matter is, if you're a new creature, you do know what's going on in the world. But you also know this. This is not my home. Amen? This is not my home. I am just passing through. But here's the thing. I care about the people that are here. All of them. Not those of us that go to church together. Not those of us that have the same quote-unquote doctrine. We care for all of those around us. We can't help but care for all of those around us because Jesus cares for all of those around us. And because his spirit, that's what he's crying out for here. He wants us to enter into having the Holy Ghost. He wants us to understand that if we will become new creatures, if we will ask him to save us, that when he saves us, he will give us this Holy Ghost. In fact, that's why he came. So I want to move. I'm going to move out of the way a little bit so that you can see this. I probably will wander. You guys know I will probably wander back and forth a little bit while I'm doing it. But what I want you to see, let me take, uh uh-oh, I was going to take the remote, but the remote's not here. John, did you steal the remote? It's it's over here? Now, here we go. Sorry for that. That wasn't uh, part of the plan. Thank you, James, for putting that up already. We're going to push the one button that matters, right? To go to the next one. As is for the Spirit of God, if you notice on the first slide, I guess I can back up to the first slide. There's a back button. It usually lets us go back. So here you go. If you'll notice right here, uh, Lesson 5 of 5, Part 1 of 2. So the plan was to do all of them in one, in one part, but we're going to do this one in two parts. Uh, and we're going to do this one in two parts because if I did it in one part, it would either be too confusing, crammed. It may seem that a little bit. Help me. If, this, if, this, if when we're done today, if you would say, Preacher, could you go over that again? Because I think you, you, you uh, wedged too many things in there. I'm trying not to. There's a great more that we could look at, that I, that I, but I just want you to be able to see together what it means, S is for the Spirit of God. So we've looked at S, T, E, P, and S. The first S was, does anybody remember? The first S was what? Savior. Thank you. Now again, so, somebody said salvation. It's not salvation, and it's important that we realize this. Again, it is salvation, but if you don't have the Savior, you don't have salvation. Do you understand? Jesus Christ, Jesus, who is the Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, who is the Christ, he's the only Savior. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. But praise God, everybody can come unto the Father by him. It is an open invitation to everyone. It is exclusive in that we must come through the Lord Jesus Christ. But who can come? He says this, all that come unto me, I will what? In no wise cast out anybody that will come to christ he will save it doesn't matter what you have done if you are willing to confess your own guilt jesus will forgive you and he will change you and then we looked at that after that we looked at p 
and uh, well, excuse me, T, and T is for trust God at his word. So you have a savior. This is so important. Please hear me. There are many voices. There are many books. There's so much said about God. There are even, there's even so much said about Jesus. But what can you trust? Honestly, what can you trust? And this is the answer. You can trust God at his word. You can open your Bible and you can be sure that you're getting the word of God. Open the word of God and trust God there. Whatever God says, it is what we're doing, I hope, will be a blessing. I hope it will be a help. But I think what you'll find is it will be a help because we're going to keep looking at what the Word of God. So then S-T-E, E is eternal life. We're not going to talk a lot. We're not, I can't go over all of them, but E is for eternal life. And praise God for eternal life. From the moment you were saved, you were prepared to have eternal life. You were created, all of us. Adam was created to have eternal life, and he lost it. And Jesus gave it back to us. And then we had P, and P is for prayer. Boy, how we need to go boldly to the throne of grace and make our needs known. How we need to intercede for each other. How we need to be the children of prayer. And then the last one is this S, and that's the Spirit of God. And that's what we're going to look at right now. So S is for the Spirit of God. We're going to break it into two parts. Part one, the promise of the Spirit of God. We're going to look at that together this morning, Lord willing. Number two is the uh, purpose and the power of of the Spirit of God, the purpose and the power of the Spirit of God. And Lord willing, we'll look at that together uh, next week. <clears throat> the promise of the Spirit. A new heart. This is in Ezekiel. You can look it up if you want to write. Please write the references down. The, 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 diff, the reason that I have done these in a keynote is to make it easy to be visible so that you can see the verses that we're looking at and we can talk about it so I can actually point at some things and call them out and we can see them together. But please write the references down. It's very important to you that as you consider this message later that you have the Word of God in front of you as you do so. In other words, the things that we say, you'll say, that was pleasant, that was helpful. Well, good, that's great. But go back and look at it in your own Bible. A new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Ezekiel 36, 26. Now, this is the promise of God. Listen, what's wrong in Israel? What's wrong in Israel? And this is what's wrong in Israel. Israel has agreed that the law, that the commandments are good, and they are. Right? Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not lie. Are those good things? They are great things. Should we all live like that? We should live like that. Here's the, here's the problem. My flesh doesn't want to live like that. Even though I agree with it, even though I assent to it, there are times in my day, there are times in my life when I want what I want. Anybody familiar with that? Oh, how strong that pull is in our lives. So Israel was living not for the glory of God. They had turned all of the images, all of the things that were to show the glory of God, they had turned it into such a fleshly work that it was an embarrassment to the whole world. It was an embarrassment to the glory of God. It was an embarrassment to Israel, and it was a a confusion to the entire world. They had taken, they were meant to be a light to the whole world, that the whole world would be attracted to their God and come to their God. And we do see this, by the way, in the book of Ruth, but they were not attractive. They did not draw people to God because they were holier than thou. They were better than others, but they weren't better than others. They pretended to be something that they weren't because they didn't have the power to be what they were meant to be. We don't have the power 
in ourselves, by ourselves, to be what the people around us need. Do you understand? When the, when the blood was shed, we're not going to talk a lot about the blood today. The blood is why we got the Holy Ghost, though. So very, very important. But because the Lord Jesus has paid for your sins, you can have what was lost, and that is real fellowship with God. So real that God says, I'm going to come and live with you. We're going to see that together this morning. I will put a new law. I will put, this is the promise of God, I will put a new heart. I will put a new spirit. By the way, what's it say here? It says, I will what? Give you. You won't earn it. You won't earn it. You cannot earn the Holy Ghost. You cannot earn anything. God has to give it to you. But he wants us to have it. And we'll talk about that this morning. And I will put it within you. Related to the new heart. The promise of the spirit is related to the new heart. Acts chapter 2. Turn to Acts chapter 2 if you would. And you can turn to this passage. Acts chapter 2 verse 16. Turn to Acts chapter 2 verse 16. We're going to turn to a number of passages I need you to turn somewhat quickly. I want you to see these things. I need it to be in front of you. Acts chapter 2. So Acts chapter 2. We all know Acts chapter 2, right? Acts chapter 2, the Holy Ghost comes. Yes, fills the building that the uh, disciples are in, and everything changes. Yes? This is one of the most abused chapters in the Bible. One of the most confused chapters in the Bible, and one of the most abused chapters in the Bible. It's not confusing. It's not confusing at all. It is exactly what God said was going to happen. What God, what Jesus said, we're going to go, we're going to start here and go backwards. What Jesus said was this. I'm going to send the Holy Ghost. And he's going to change everything. And in Acts chapter 2, guess what Jesus did? He sent the Holy Ghost. And what happened? It changed everything. It changed everything. Now listen, had Israel embraced the Holy Spirit, had Israel embraced the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit would have changed much, much more than was changed. Israel's rejection of Christ has caused the church age to largely have the Gentiles filled with the Holy Spirit and not Israel filled with the Holy Spirit. But there's a day coming. All of us know this through prophecy. There's a day coming when they shall see him whom they have pierced. And Israel will believe and know that Jesus is the Christ. And wow, is that going to be wonderful. Boy, is that going to be tremendous. And I thank God that this is on the way. I believe it's right around the corner. I believe soon the trumpet's going to sound and the church is going home. I believe that the Gentiles, those of us that are in Christ now, soon we're leaving. Now, I may be wrong about that. I don't know why I feel so strongly about this. Maybe it's just because of the way the world is today. Maybe it's because you just keep thinking... It can't possibly get any worse, right? We can't possibly get any more fleshly. We can't possibly be any more wicked. And I don't know, maybe we can. But I would love for the Lord to come and take us home. This is what it says in chapter 2, verse 16. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 16. Read this with me. Now go back to verse 15, by the way. Let's go back to verse 14. So these people are mocking. If you go back, I keep going back. So these people are mocking. What's happened is this. The disciples are preaching the gospel. But they're preaching the gospel in the native language of everybody that's gathered. There are people from all over the world that are gathered together here. And they're preaching the gospel. But let's say, does anybody here speak a language other than English as your first language? Anybody have a first language that's not English? Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Anybody else? Go ahead. Raise your hand. Hi. It's not, not, not to be ashamed of. There's a number of you that have that English is not your first language. Well, guess what? English is my first language. English is my only language. Okay. I know enough to insult people in other countries and a few other languages. And, and, and when I mean insult them, I simply mean to speak their language in such a way they'd say, please stop doing that. <laughs> it's embarrassing for all of us, so please don't do it anymore. But what if, what if 
I could preach and you'd hear in your native tongue. So I would, I would preach, in my mind, I would preach in English. And you would actually hear me in whatever your native language is. Whatever your primary tongue is, you would hear that. That's what was going on. They were preaching. They were preaching. I believe they were preaching in Hebrew. And the people were hearing in all of the languages that were gathered there together. Notice what it says. It's very important that you understand because this is not confusing. This is not weird. This is not babbling. That's not what it is. What it is is this. You'll notice what it says. It says in verse 8, How hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? In other words, we hear in our native language. But in the verse above that it says, All of you that speak are Galileans. Now here's the thing about Galileans. Saying this is, I don't know who I want to insult. I'm from Vermont, okay? And so I'll just insult Vermonters. You know, there aren't that many of us anyway, so how many people can I insult, right? So here's the thing. It's like saying, because Vermont is not known as a place where there are a bunch of people that speak a bunch of languages is the, is the point that I'm making. So it says they are Galileans. It's saying these are people who don't know a lot, and yet we're all hearing them well in our native tongue. How is this possible? Now, what's funny is their conclusion. Go down to verse um, 13. It says, others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. Some of them said, a little bit earlier, it says, these are the wonderful works of God. But some said, you know what, they're just drunk. Now think about that for a moment, right? I speak no Spanish. Now I have a few drinks. And the next thing you know, I just speak wonderfully in Spanish. Does that make any sense to anybody? I mean, what, this is just makes, I mean, this, this, but here's what Peter says. But Peter, this is verse 14, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judah, and all you that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken unto my words. For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. The point is, even if these were drunks, they wouldn't be drunk yet. But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Now you can mark that. This is, and we're going to go back and look at it in just a moment. But here's what it says. And it shall come to pass in the last days saith the Lord, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids will I pour out in those days my spirit and they shall prophesy. Now, there are other signs that are going to accompany this. God is making it very, very clear. It, is, it was always my plan to save you and to change you. Yes, it was always my plan. Well, I tell you, this is so wonderful. I wish I understood this. Please understand what God is saying to you. If you're a young Christian, please understand the, that you are not meant to be driven by your flesh anymore. That which mastered you before sin no longer has dominion over you because the Holy Spirit lives within you. And here's the thing. Everybody that's born again has the same testimony. I care about things I never cared about before. I love things I never loved before. I want things I never wanted before. Things that used to be my friend, they're not my friend anymore. Things that I used to be even arrogant and proud about, I don't feel that way about them anymore at all. That is what God does when he changes us. And, what he, and how does he do this? By pouring out our, his spirit upon us. If you go back, we're just going to go back for just a moment to Joel chapter 2. So here's where that Holy Spirit is promised. And it should come to pass afterward. Notice what it says. 
that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. All of these things are happening. All of these things are going to happen in the book of Acts. Again, this is not strange nonsense. This is the demonstration of the power of God that he has indeed sent forth the Holy Ghost. And it was accompanied by sign gifts, sign gifts that are no longer necessary because the sign that is still with us, one, we have the Word of God. Two, we have the fruit of the Spirit visible in our lives. And if you're a new creature, I can see it in your life. John said it in Sunday school uh, this way. I forget who, who he was making reference to. Someone made the statement, oh, talking about someone who, who made the statement to uh, his preacher, I'm a new creature. I've been saved. And he said, I'm glad to hear that. I'll watch and see if you are. Do you see what I'm saying? Because if you are a new creature, there will be a change. And here's the good news. You don't have to make it. Right? Church is about you doing a good job and us being impressed with you. That's nonsense. That's nonsense. That's not what Jesus does. Jesus is the one that changes you. And by the way, Jesus changes us in such a way that we are really blessed by what we see in one another. But we don't brag and boast about each other anyway. We brag and boast about how great Jesus is. And we're just humbly thankful to be changed. Can you testify to that? I am just hum humbly thankful to being changed. I am so glad that God has made me a new creature. I am overjoyed that my sins are forgiven. But not just that my sins are forgiven, but that sin no longer has dominion over me. I'm not driven by my flesh in the way that I was before. Amen? This is the promise in Joel. Now, again, I want to take just a few minutes and I want to show you this promise. We read this, right? In the last days, Jesus stands up and he makes this promise. Here, please, please follow this with me. Who? Any man. If anyone, and this is not male, this is just any person. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scriptures have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, by the way, we saw this earlier in John, right? We saw this actually spoken to somebody earlier in John. Anybody remember who this was spoken to earlier in John? The woman at the well. The woman at the well, who was what, by the way? What was her nationality? Samaritan, right? Who the Jews what? Hate. They despise. They're half-breeds. Right? It's better to be a Gentile than to be a Hebrew that married a Gentile, as far as they're concerned. It's better that two dogs get married, that's how they looked at it, than that, that a Hebrew marry a dog. They had a tremendous, tremendous loathing for the Samaritans, but Jesus didn't. Not, by the way, not only did Jesus save the woman at the well, he saved half the city. Yes? They came out to see him. They believed her. Listen, isn't that amazing? How long had she been changed when they met her? And the answer is minutes, maybe hours. And they saw such a tremendous difference in her countenance so quickly. And they heard what she said about, come meet a man who knows everything about me. And they knew a lot about her, right? She was an outcast of the outcast. Not only was she a Samaritan, she was on her sixth man. And, and they were like, we want nobody. Well, she went to get her water in the middle of the day. Why? Because nobody else wanted to get their water with her. Nobody wanted to be around her. And even those that were around her, she probably couldn't stand to be around them because of the things that they said about her. So she was living very much on her own. And you may feel like that today let me tell you you're not alone because jesus loves you and i mean it with all of my heart jesus loves you the first person that jesus showed this 
truth to was not his disciples. It was not the Pharisees. It was this woman at the well. And he said, honey, I can change your life. And she said, please change. By the way, she left her bucket. What a wonderful picture. Amen. She came there with an empty bucket and she left without the bucket because she had this right here. She had this out of her belly flowing rivers of water. She had a change in her already. She was waiting for the promise that was coming. She, was, she knew that Jesus was who he said he was and that he was going to be able to change her and he is going to be able to change her. Now what I want you to see together is just a couple of passages where we see this. Turn to John chapter 16. John chapter 16, the comforter. John chapter 16, the comforter. So Jesus promises, Jesus promises the Holy Ghost coming, right? That's what he says. Now, it hadn't come yet because he's not yet glorified. So here we are in John chapter 16. By the way, I want you to do something. Before we start this, we're going to actually start in John 16 and work backwards. I want you to go to John chapter 12. Go to John chapter 12 with me. If your Bible has John chapter 13 and 12 both visible at the same time, do that. Go to John chapter 12, the end of it. John chapter 12. In John chapter 12, Jesus promises that anybody that will believe on him, says in verse 44, he that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. Jesus is speaking to a public crowd. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. If any man hear my word and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Now look up here. Jesus wants them to have eternal life. He wants them to have everlasting life. And he says, and you don't have to listen to me. You don't have to believe me. I didn't come to judge you. I didn't come to crush you. I came to rescue you. And if you don't want that, then you will be judged. But what you'll be judged for is this. You rejected this gift that I wanted to freely give you. That's the end. The end of this chapter is the end of his public ministry. Now, his private ministry is very short. It's basically his last night with his disciples, okay? That starts in chapter 13. This is really important. It's important that you understand that as we start looking at what we're looking at together, realize this. The last thing that Jesus says to the public is this. Please believe on me. Don't reject my word, okay? Now we get to chapter 13, and I want you to go to chapter 16. We're going to back up, but I want you to go to chapter 16 with this knowledge in your mind. So Jesus is now speaking privately to his disciples, and we are in chapter 16 and verse 1. These things have I spoken unto you. Let me put this up here. These things have I spoken unto you. This is verse 1, that you should not be offended, that she'll put you out of the synagogues, Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told them you. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me. And none of you ask, whither goest thou? 
But because I have said these things unto you, your heart is filled, excuse me, sorrow has filled your heart. In other words, I'm telling you I'm leaving. I'm telling you that I'm going home to the Father. And I'm telling you that I've told you the things that are getting ready to happen because I need you to understand what's coming. But your hearts are sad because of this. Notice what he says right after that. Nevertheless, I tell you, this is so important. You should, you should put a big box around verse 7 in your Bible. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Amen? Yes? You need me to go because... I have to shed my blood to pay for the sins of the world and then I have to go into the holy of holies that's made without hands and present that blood. And when I do that, I'm going to send the Holy Ghost out to you. Amen? Listen, listen, understand this. I do not know why American Christianity has not laid hold of this. I would to God somebody would have helped me to understand this when I was a young Christian. Jesus didn't just come to pay for my sins. He did come to pay for my sins, but he came to seek and to save that which was lost. But I wasn't just lost in sin. I could not live well. Amen? The reason I have sin in my life is because I can't live right. And Jesus said, I'm coming to restore that. I came to fix it. What Adam gave up in the garden, I have come to restore to each of you. Personally, individually, you may still live in a cesspool, but you can walk with Jesus. Amen? That's what he's saying. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter what life around you is like, because I'm going to live on the inside. And you can have a relationship with God. That's what he's saying. Let's keep going. Go back a couple chapters to chapter 14. Chapter 14, you see I wrote verses 15 through 27. 15. Now, you can read all of this. This is all him speaking to his disciples. I just want you to notice how much of this he's talking about the um, indwelling, the coming of the Holy Ghost to change everything. Now, now by the way, this, is, this passage, John had brought up this passage this morning in the Sunday school lesson. If you love me, keep my commandments. They already love him. They already know that he's the Christ. They already trust him and believe on him. If you love him, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you, how long? Forever. How listen, listen, look up here. Listen, I want you to understand this. How many, how many of you, and again, it really matters that this is true, how many of you are sure that your sins are forgiven? How many of you know that you are bought by the blood? Just go ahead and raise your hand up nice and high. I know I'm bought by the blood. Okay, go ahead and put your hand down. When, when, when you trusted Christ for your salvation, he sent forth the Holy Ghost, and he lives within you now. By the way, this was why you knew you had peace with God. I want to ask you a question. How many of you remember the day your sins were forgiven? I mean, really remember the day your sins were forgiven. How many of you knew that you had peace with God? Yeah? You know how you knew that? The Holy Ghost told you. You're innocent. The blood is on your account. You can never be charged again. You are going to heaven from this moment forward. You will live with God forever. And more importantly, I have come to live with you. I am the earnest. I am the down payment of what's going to happen for the rest of your life. And I'm telling you, listen, the Apostle Paul says, as wonderful as the earnest, here's what happens. When you get saved, I remember being saved, I mean, I was saved 30-something years ago, but I remember how wonderful forgiveness was. Forgiveness was so wonderful, I forgave everybody around me. 
Yes? How could I not forgive everybody around me? God had forgiven me. And again, I owed him a great deal more than anybody owed me. It became very easy for me to care and to want to help other people because Jesus cared and it helped me so very, very much. Now, let me say this. And here's the thing. I didn't understand what was going on. But now I do. The Holy Spirit was living within me and he was taking the word of God and teaching my heart and teaching my mind, right? God says, I will put in you a new what? A new spirit. And what comes with a new spirit? A new what? A new heart. I had a new heart. I had a new care. Things were changed. That's what God has done. That's what he's talking about right here. Notice what he says. I will send the comfort to you, and he will abide forever. Even the spirit of truth, verse 17, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you, meaning he was around them right there, and shall be what? In you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me. Because I live, ye shall live on also. And that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. All of us together. Amen? Listen, listen. i got to be honest with you. How many of you would say, my walk with God is weaker than that passage represents. Anybody? My walk is with God is not as wonderful as that passage says it should be. Well, whose fault is that? It's not God's fault. And as of right now, it's not mine. What I mean by this is this. I'm telling you, stop letting your flesh have its way. Stop fussing and whining. Stop worrying. Stop, stop all of these things and just trust God at his word. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Let the spirit of God so wonderfully encourage you in your heart. This is what God is wanting to accomplish, to change us from the inside. And he's doing it with the spirit of truth. Now, I want to back up even further, though. I want to go back to the new commandment. So I want to back up here. So here we have the spirit of truth, right? The spirit of truth is going to come and teach us and tell us everything and change everything. But I want to go back one more chapter to the new commandment. Boy, how wonderful this is. Go back one chapter. So remember, chapter 13 is actually the beginning of this conversation, right? Chapter 12 is the end of his, of his uh, public ministry. Chapter 13 is the beginning of his private ministry. Let's go back to the beginning first. Be, let me put this passage up so I don't forget to put the passage up. But let's go, that's verse 33. Let's go back to verse 1. Chapter 13, verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover... When the Jews, uh, excuse me, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own that were in the world, he loved them until the end. Okay, so here's what happens. He's eating this meal. He's having the Last Supper with his disciples, and he's loving them and taking care of them. Again, this is the beginning of the private ministry. It's a lot of chapters. It's a very short period of time. But notice what happens. And the supper being ended, the devil having now put into uh, the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he, was, that, come, come, that he has come from God and went to God. Now, notice what he does. Here's what happens. In this conversation, you will find that Judas is getting ready to betray the Lord Jesus. And, you're gonna, and you go down through, and he's getting ready to leave. In verse 27, read this. And after, the, and after the sop, so after Jesus ate with Judas, Satan entered into him. 
Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake unto him. For some of them thought because Judas had the bag that Jesus had said unto him, Buy the things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So in other words, they don't know what Judas is going to do, but Jesus does. He, then having received the sop, went out immediately, and it was night. Therefore, now notice this, this is verse 31. Put a big star by verse 31. So here's what happens. Verse 31 is critical. So who's left now? Who's in the room right now? Help me. The disciples. Thank you, Ronnie. So the disciples are in the room, and who's not in the room anymore? Judas. So just those that really trust Christ are in the room. Amen? This is so important because look what he's getting ready to say. Therefore... When he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, Whether I go, ye cannot come. So, so now I say to you, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that you love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Now look up here. Who does he say this? Who's the new commandment for? Who's the new commandment for? Believers. Right? The new commandment's for believers. What, what is the new commandment? What is the new, help me, what's the new commandment? Love. Well, well, now, by the way, the old commandment was love. Yes? But the new commandment is a really, really high level of love, yes? The new co- Listen, hear me. The new commandment is a love that will make people marvel when they see it. Ye- yes or no? Yes? A new co- this new commandment is a love that people are going to marvel when they see it. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. In other words, the characteristic that's going to make Christians stand out is going to be what? Love. Right? Do you understand? I was going to start claiming a bunch of things that Baptists typically point to to prove that we're God's children. But I was just going to offend some people when I did it. What is the thing in your life that demonstrates that you're a child of God? And the answer is that we love one another. How can we do that? And the answer is the Holy Ghost. Do you understand? Why does he not give the new commandment in chapter 12? when he's speaking to the world. Why? Because they can't do it, right? First, they have to do what? Believe on him. First, they have to trust him. Listen, hear me, hear me. When we preach the gospel, we don't tell people that they should behave themselves in a certain way. We tell them they should repent. Repent, right? Be born again. Be made a new creature. Once you're a new creature, guess what? The Holy Ghost says, I'm changing everything. I'm changing everything. I'm going to make you a loving person. And the people around you are going to see that, and they're going to marvel at that, and they're going to say to you, how are you so different? And you're going to say, Jesus did this. And then they're going to say, can Jesus do this for me? And you're going to say, yes, Jesus can do this for you too. Amen? Now you say, well, what if they don't want Jesus? Well, that's between them and Jesus, right? Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn you. I didn't come to judge you. I came to rescue you. I came to save you. Now, if you reject me, my words will judge you at the judgment seat. You'll have to stand at the judgment seat, and you will be judged that you rejected me. But I didn't come to destroy you. I came to save you. Amen? 
Listen, listen. This is so this is so wonderful. I don't have to prove or do anything. I can just invite them to come to Jesus. But I have to be changed. Yes? That's so important. We can't be petty. We can't be selfish. We can't be angry. We can't be what we are in our flesh. But praise God, we don't have to be. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. That's the promise. Do you understand? The promise of God is this new commandment. I have just one more thing and we'll be done. One more thing and we'll be done. After the new commandment, we have the new covenant. The new covenant. Hebrews chapter 8. I'm not going to turn. I'm just going to read this. Hebrews chapter 8. For this is the covenant. This is a promise. This is God speaking about the covenant. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put, what's this? I will put my laws into their minds and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. Referring to Jeremiah 31, 33. What is the new covenant about? Jesus says, this is the new covenant in my blood the new covenant in my blood why because after he sheds his blood we can be these people right here we can be the people of the new covenant what listen what are we trusting in what were they trusting in in the old covenant obey and be blessed disobey and be cursed well here's the problem i've disobeyed so all i've earned is the curse amen but God says, I have a, and I'm, I'm sorry, this is gonna, I don't, I'm not I'm sorry to be irreverent. I have a better deal for you than that. I have a better deal for the, you than obey and be blessed, disobey and be cursed. How about this? My son obeyed. Amen? And I blessed him. And I will bless anybody that trusts him. And he will give you, listen, I'm telling you, you did not, I did nothing to be saved. I did nothing to be saved. In fact, it took an awful lot of hard work on God's part to to save me. Yes? I was not like, oh, gee, yes, I'll do whatever you want. I wrestled with God. I I wanted to keep my life and still have God's favor. Do you understand what I'm saying? Eventually, God broke me, and I said, Lord, all I want is you. All I want is you, period. And I knew as soon as I did it, I was saved. I knew it. I knew I had the forgiveness of sins. I knew that Jesus had shed his blood for me. That I had, and then I realized this. This is the very promise of God, that I would trust him, listen, and he would change me. And it's happened. And it's happening now. Now, I will, I, again, I testify to this. I testify to this not because I want to. You know, one of the, I think it's, sometimes I think it's a hindrance to our church that your pastor is so honest about the fact that he didn't grow the way God wanted him to for a long, long time. But let me say this. I don't know of any pastors that have. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 I go to a lot of conferences. I'm around a lot of pastors. I hear a lot of nonsense still where people brag and boast and they wave this flag and they wave that flag. I'm telling you, Jesus is wonderful. And it really is simple. Do you understand? Listen, if you want to help your extended family walk with Jesus, let the Holy Ghost change you. Now, again, let me ask you this question. Are you sure you're a new creature? Now, if you're not, this won't work. Do you understand? First, you've got to repent. Now, let me say this. How many of you, I want you to help, I want you to help 
those that may not be saved that's gone to church for a long time and they want it to be true in life. How many of you went to church and, and I'm, I'm going to ask you to stand up if you're willing to testify this. How many of you went to church and pretended to be a Christian before you were saved? Stand up if that's true for you. I went to church and pretended to be a Christian before I was saved. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Go ahead and please be seated. Now, how many, now, by the way, I'm going to give you, I wish I, I should have, you know what, if I was smart, I would have put this picture. It just came to me, so I didn't, couldn't have done it. And that is um, Price, Charles Price and his wife, Lucille, right? Charles Price and his wife, Lucille, they came here. He was with um, Fellowship Trackley when he came here. Came here from Fellowship Trackley. He was a wonderful, I mean, he was just a wonderful, bubbly, happy Christian. And you know what she was? She was a, I'm going I'm to say this honestly. She was a quiet sourpuss, right? I'm not being mean when I say that. That was her expression. If you, if you don't believe me, we can just go back and look at the picture, their picture as missionaries that, that we put up when they, when they came here. And this is what it looked like. He looked like this. She looked like this. But so do a lot of other people that go to church. And then guess what? This is an old lady. And then guess what? She got saved. And she knew it. And she got saved, and Jesus changed her, and the Holy Ghost came in, and they sent us a new picture. And he looked like this still. And she looked like this now too. But it wasn't a phony smile. Now let me say this. I was with them last year. I don't know if I'll be with them this year or not. I was with them in Alpena last year at the, at the church. There, the five little churches up there had a conference together, and, and it was just a wonderful conference. But I spent a lot of time with them, and she has Alzheimer's now. And she, I mean, she kept coming out of the kitchen from the, with, 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 a, with a package of, of uh, gelatin, which was part of a meal that he was making, she kept coming out with the, with the box that he was, had thrown away over and over again in her hand, pointing out the instructions to him, saying, you haven't done this right, you haven't done this right. And he kept saying to her, I have done it, honey. I have done it already. I've already done it. That part's already done. And, he kept, and, and she kept walking back into the kitchen with, her, with him. Listen, and his patience was a testimony. But her peace with Alzheimer's, was also a testimony. Because she wasn't angry. She was just confused. Do you understand? Why? Because the Holy Ghost lives within her. Later, he and I were talking, and he said, Pastor, how can I help my wife? How can I help her to understand, like today, that it's already been done? I said, you can't. And by the way, if you have somebody who has a, a mental illness in their brain, if somebody has a heart disease, we're all over helping people with heart diseases. But if somebody has a brain disease, we all leave them alone. Don't leave them alone. Just love them. And don't fix them. You can't fix them any more than you can fix. Listen, if I, if I said to you, I've got a really bad heart, and you said, oh, I'm sorry, and then we were talking with each other, and I started going like this, you'd say, oh, wait, let me fix that for you. No, you wouldn't. You'd let me be where I was. Do you understand? People who has all, I know I've kind of gone off on a little bit of rant, but you need this. I have learned this. People who have, all, just love them. If they want to talk about a pony that doesn't exist, that's fine. It's a wonderful pony. What color is it? Green? That's a great color for a pony. Do you understand? Just, listen, I say just love them. You say, but they are my so-and-so. They should remember me. They don't remember you. I'm sorry. You can still love them. Do you understand? By the way, let me say this. Their relationship with Jesus is not hindered by their relationship with you. Do you understand? Somebody who has a mental disease does not change the spirit of God living within them. It just affects their ability to communicate with you. 
You understand? Boy, that's a hard thing for people. When people have a loved one who are, who are dying and they start to lose their mental faculties, they start worrying about the fact that they can't talk about Jesus with them the same way. They don't have to be able to talk about Jesus with you the same way. Their relationship with Jesus is just fine because they were already born again before they got this disease. Do you understand what I'm saying? Really, really important, really, really important that you understand. The reason that I made all that reference was this. If you're pretending, stop. Just stop. Let Jesus save you. Let, listen, repent. Yes, repent. A lot of people stood up. A lot, I mean, a lot of people stood up. Go talk to one of the people that stood up. They're testifying, stop playing church. Stop playing church. Trust Jesus. Let him save you. Let him make a difference. Father, I thank you for your word. And I ask you, Lord, that you'd bless us, Lord, uh, please, by your power, that you would accomplish what you want to in our lives through this truth. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to show us through your word, not just this promise, but Lord, next week as we look, that we would see the purpose and the power of the Spirit. Lord, from the time it was given in Acts chapter 2, what was the purpose and what is the power and what is happening, what is changing? We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.